Chapter Twenty One of Blackthorn Farm by Arthur Applin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One. Ready for flight marjorie had reason to be grateful now for the sudden fame into which blackthorn farm had sprung owing to the discovery of pitchblende in the tin mine with the supposition contained in the expert's report that radium would undoubtedly be found for the county was far too excited even though still sceptical over this discovery to have more than a fleeting interest in the escape of two convicts number three o three the man who had been hit and cleverly deceived the warders into believing they had killed him was of course eventually caught though not until he had enjoyed thirty hours of freedom nearly a fortnight passed and number three eighty one was reported to be still at large the police and warders scoured the county plain-clothes detectives were at every seaport town and village on the coast nearly every tramp steamer leaving plymouth was searched hotels and common lodging-houses were kept under constant surveillance occasionally an arrest was reported but three eighty one was not found the police confessed themselves baffled at last the authorities at princeton were at their wits end that a convict should escape at all was bad enough but that fourteen days should pass without his being captured was almost without precedent at first the moorland dwellers and village folk all strenuously aided in the search but soon they grew tired and presently they began to laugh at the futile efforts of the warders and police to capture three eighty one public opinion on dartmoor veered round and soon a wish was openly expressed that the convict would really make good his escape and never be caught he must be a durn smart chap and deserves to get off dang me if i came across him now i'm not sure i'd give him up the police decided that he had safely got out of the county probably out of england up at princeton however the officials insisted that the man was still hiding somewhere on dartmoor and they had good reason for thinking this the news soon leaked out that three eighty one was none other than rupert dale of blackthorn farm a moorman one who knew every inch of the country born and bred on dartmoor such a one provided he could get food and drink might easily play hide-and-seek with his would-be captors for many weeks when the best part of three weeks had passed when every scrap of country had been searched and no stone left unturned indeed there was not a cairn nor a pile of boulders that had escaped examination then the officials began to look rather ridiculous and were inclined to confess that rupert dale though he had not left the country had at least got out of devonshire the moorlands resumed their normal aspect and were no longer dotted about with detectives constables and armed warders but the police increased their vigilance in all the neighboring towns old john dale had done his best to help in the search and aid the warders it was only natural that at first he should be suspected of knowing where his son was hiding in spite of the character he bore for straightforwardness and honesty a very careful account was kept of the workmen employed in erecting the plant of what was already known as the radium mine at blackthorn farm marjorie's sufferings those three weeks were terrible but she hid her feelings and 
showed no more anxiety as to her brother's whereabouts and welfare than was to be naturally expected in such a case curiously enough with each passing day confidence in his ultimate escape grew until she felt no fear at all that he would be discovered and taken back to princeton while he was hidden in jim's workroom at postbridge hall he was safe even the terrible risk her lover had taken for her sake ceased to worry her she had to play a part and she sometimes marvelled herself at the cool deliberate way in which she played it the one the only person she feared was robert despard before rupert's escape she had avoided him on every possible occasion now she no longer dared do so for she felt he suspected her suspected she had seen rupert and knew where he was hiding his work kept him so busy that he had not much time to persecute her still she knew he was at watch and when he was not watching her she in turn was watching him terrified that whenever he left the farm he would bend his footsteps towards the hall she had only seen jim once since the night of rupert's escape when he had called at the farm with some message from sir reginald for her father they had not been alone for a minute but a glance at his face told her all was well there were moments of course when she repented of what she had done she told herself she was a coward for repentance meant that she was putting her own happiness and future before that of her brother being a woman she argued that since her brother was innocent it was her duty to help him to escape it was criminal for an innocent man to suffer for the guilt of another even though by speaking he could have cleared himself in her eyes his silence gave him an added nobility her soul revolted when she thought of the long years he might still have to endure shut up in the dreadful granite prison on the moors for the first time in her life she realized what it meant to be a convict a prisoner a criminal she knew now that these men she had sometimes seen working in the fields and quarries were treated worse than beasts of burden in harness day and night knowing not one minute's liberty or freedom doomed to years of silence forced to implicit obedience of every order given them just enough food and just enough sleep dealt out to keep them alive no risk could be too great to save her brother she knew a chance would never occur again and if he were caught and sent back until he had served his time then when he came out he would no longer be a man but really and truly a criminal something distorted hideous unnatural a human being at war with humanity it was just at the end of three weeks that jim crichton presented himself at the farm to say good-bye before going back to nether avon to join his corps rupert's escape had never been spoken of in the farmhouse dale had forbidden his name to be mentioned and marjorie sometimes wondered if her father had lost all feeling for his only son she had a dreadful thought that if he knew of his hiding-place he would instantly inform the police and give him up i suppose when we meet again you will be millionaires crichton said cheerily i see a prospectus is being issued next week of the blackthorn development company i shall apply for a few shares just for luck i'm afraid you won't get them despard answered the company will be subscribed two or three times over you go back to nether avon to-morrow jim nodded alone there was a moment's silence marjorie caught her breath there seemed to be a challenge in despard's voice 
yes alone jim replied with a laugh unfortunately i can't take marjorie with me yet perhaps in a few months time though we shall fly off together man and wife despard shrugged his shoulders as he left the room perhaps he murmured under his breath crichton shook hands with dale and the old man held his hand a few moments longer than was necessary it's a brave thing you're doing in keeping the promise you gave marjorie but if you insist on making her your wife you'll break your father's heart mr crichton i hope not i hope you'll come to see things my way but if i had to make a choice mr dale i'd rather break his than hers dale sighed and nodded his head i suppose youth must be served he whispered perhaps it is just that the old should suffer my boy has broken my heart that's why i feel for your father you're convinced of your son's guilt then jim said course i am why he confessed it jim turned away perhaps one day his innocence may be proved mr dale oh i don't want to raise false hopes in your breast but i'm beginning to believe with marjorie that he was innocent of the crime of which he was convicted while there's life there's hope remember he took marjorie's hand walk down as far as post bridge with me will you we will say good-bye at the place where we first confessed our love once they were alone it was not of love they spoke they walked side by side and now and then marjorie laughed if anyone had overheard if anyone had been watching them they would never have guessed of what these two lovers were talking jim had perfected his plans for rupert's escape he outlined them in detail to marjorie her help would be wanted and her task he said would perhaps be the most difficult task on monday evening she would receive a telegram from him telling her of the flight he was going to make from nether avon to plymouth on receipt of the wire she was to go up to postbridge hall ostensibly at a request the telegram would contain to show the message to jim's father but she would find sir reginald out jim knew he would be at morton hampstead on business she was to wait for him and jim gave her the keys of his workroom and cellar rupert already had duplicates the telegram would contain certain code words of which jim gave her the translation she was to find some way of giving her brother the message they contained the exact hour he was to leave his hiding-place and make his way across dartmoor to a certain spot already decided on if he fails it will be bad luck jim said but as far as is humanly possible he can't fail no one would recognize in the smart soldierly looking young fellow the late convict three eighty one if he gets safely away i shall send you a wire from plymouth just two words flight successful that's all there's only one man i fear the man who would like to be my rival despard once or twice in the evening lately i've seen him hanging around the hall it's impossible he could suspect the plans we've formed i don't believe for an instant he knows where rupert's hiding if he did he'd speak and give him up or only keep silence on condition that you marjorie stopped him you needn't fear jim he suspects something i know on monday night after i've been to postbridge hall i'll make it my business to keep mr despard at the farm until i know that rupert's safely away i can keep him i'm a woman they reached the bridge and stood for a few minutes gazing down into the foaming waters presently jim held out his hand au revoir he said quietly and he lowered his voice for a moment next time we meet i hope i shall have a marriage license in my pocket 
au revoir my lover she whispered remember whatever happens i'm yours and only yours ready to follow you to the end of the world he took off his hat kissed her hand then nodding cheerily he strode away she watched him out of sight he was risking his life his honour his reputation for her sake if he failed she knew she would never see him again End of chapter twenty one